Hey guys, welcome to the Scared Stiff Podcast. This is episode two. Uh, we're going to be talking about American Werewolf in London today. This is my co-host, Scott Noyce. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm all right. I'm just fucking tired. Okay. I had a long night last night. Yeah. Yeah. I was just fucking out late with a bunch of my friends, and I didn't get home until like one or two or something. Yikes. It was fun, though. I had a good time. I don't make it sound like a good time, but I don't really want to go into details about it. <laughs> how about you, dude? I'm all right. You know, I uh, had a good time last night watching the movie we're going to be talking about today and uh, had a decent morning. I had Just... a, I, I had a cram. I, I had so much to do yesterday that I between leaving for the party and like just the rest of the stuff I had going on earlier in the day I had to try to make sure this fit perfectly like right in the middle I just had enough time yeah doesn't that kind of suck when you feel like you have to like make something you want to do feel like such a necessity too yeah I mean that was kind of how it was for me when we uh when we did Evil Dead last week um I I came home from work and had to just throw the movie on and just I could not do anything else but just watch the movie so that in literally like 20 minutes after I finished it, we could re- record the episode. So that's how I felt all last week. Cause like yeah. Sunday was Easter and I, f- I spent the rest of that day. I don't have, I don't fucking family, but like I spent most of that day just finishing the artwork, like for the podcast. And then I recorded the intro for the podcast. And then Monday I hung out with our buddy Jason and we did the outro for the podcast. And I did a few tunes to do for some other projects. And then Tuesday, we recorded the podcast. And then I spent Wednesday and Thursday and Friday editing it. And, you know, as soon as I finished that, I was like, oh, my God, I got it finished. I got to have it. I just just didn't have time to release it. This is awesome. I felt so fucking numb. I was like, I worked so hard and I got nothing to do. And I just sat there and I, I started drawing. And I was like, great, I'm doing more things. <laughs> and now... Yeah, and then when this came around, it's like, okay, cool, we gotta we gotta do another episode. It's like, don't I fucking work enough? Like, I, it doesn't even count my actual work hours. Like, what the fuck? But nah, I, it, it's funny too because like when you get to, it's like, okay, here we go. And then you watch, you're like, oh, wait, fuck, this is actually fun. This is actually a good thing. Like, yeah, and it's like it's kind of cool. The first two episodes here, we we picked two movies that we both love. Yeah, I, I think in it's, different it's perspectives. Pretty, it's pretty indif. It, it's pretty uh funny because like when some franchises or some films we have like very not differing opinions i don't think our opinions differ very much but we like different things about the films but these are two that we're both like very very high on because i remember when i was showing this to you for the first time like years ago i'm like yeah this is like one of my favorites like ever <laughs> ever ever yeah it's like uh one thing I, I i wanted to do we talked about this before is i really wanted to uh make a point to uh get your perspective from because you, you watched this movie way before me, and you're, you've been a fan of this movie for a long time, so I'd like to hear your history with this movie. I I can't remember the first time I watched it, to be completely honest. Uh, I know when I first heard about it was that I was watching Cinemassacre's reviews on films. People love him for like the angry video gamer and everything, but by far, my favorite thing he does is talking about his horror movies and like Monster Madness and everything. I agree. And he mentioned that, and I'm like, those effects are really cool. And the thing that got me into horror as like an artist was always like the designs, the way people figure out the animatronics and the makeup that's going to go on and they pick the perfect lighting. So it just doesn't look cheap and it fits. Yeah. And I saw some of the makeup from it and I'm like, that's pretty cool. I'm not like a werewolf guy. I'm way more of a vampire guy, but I think I want to like check this out. And you give me an 80s soundtrack, you give me 
an awesome fucking set of shots from London and a bunch of areas from like Northern England. You give me an actor who has charisma, but is also like pretty tamed ironically for like emoting. Yeah. And in the, Oh man, the, the, the woman who's the nurse is so good. Jenny like, Gutter. Yeah. Like, she's Jenny Gutter is so good. And, and you think like, how the fuck do you get her in this? Like she, she's like <laughs> hey, knocking out of the park with some you, of this. You'd stuff. be surprised. She's actually the stepmom in child's plate too. So yeah, it's just so weird. Cause like she's, you see so many shots of people crying and it's like, Oh yeah, whatever. Hers is like, that feels so genuine. Yeah, she's a great and actress. Getting into this film was just awesome. Everything around the board is just things that like just attract me to the film and make me want to watch it. I love a good horror comedy because, you know, there's a, a certain aspect of like you have to be reflective on the fact that some things are stupid, acknowledge it, have fun, and then still scare the shit out of some people. Yeah. And that's what I love about 80s horror in general is just that aesthetic, that mood and this film encapsulates it. And that's why I was so excited to finally watch it. And when I watched it, I'm like, fuck, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> this yeah. is so fantastic. Everything about it, it's like, oh, that's great. That's good. That's funny. And then, <laughs> oh, cool. Everything just just ticks all my fucking boxes. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything that you said. When you showed me this movie, I I mean, like, I, I wanted to watch it, obviously, because um, I, I, I really do like werewolf-related things. When you put this on for me, I wasn't expecting to laugh because I didn't really yeah. know much about the movie. My God, can you tell that this is directed by the guy who did Animal House? Everything about it, like, the cool, the coolest thing I think I, I, I discerned from this movie was it's a horror comedy, so you get you get your scary bits, you get your your tense suspense sequences, you get really really funny dialogue, especially between uh, Dave and Jack. Yeah, and you also get these really crazy lucid nightmare sequences that are so cool and off the wall. It, it really sets up this very very unique tone and, and sensibility to it that I think really only John Landis could have brought to this. And like you said, like the, the acting is all really great, like from everybody. Like just everybody is fantastic, especially David Naughton. Obviously, he's he he carries this film, and yeah, he doesn't always like a like when he's emotional. He's not he's not like very clearly going for the 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 emotive you know the moments you you expect from dramatic sequences. It's all about his delivery. You know, like the scene in the phone booth is is, is a great scene. The scene where he's he's yelling at the cop trying to get arrested, um, which is also funny but also really sad. All of it is just he's he's really good and he's kind of a, he's an actor. Like it's the only movie I've ever seen him in. Um, yeah, he doesn't really have a big pompous like career or anything, and it sucks because like when I say like his emotions are more like relaxed or laid back. It's not saying he doesn't emote, but like a lot of times when you get role, yeah, when you get roles that are super like, oh yeah, your friend is dead. Oh my God. And he doesn't do that. He doesn't lash out. He's like very much like torn inside. And it's like, I feel like it's more realistic when you get stuff like that. He doesn't know how to emote. He's still in a a state of shock. Yeah. And you feel like that a lot of the times in the film, the only time he lashes out or goes crazy is during the transformation scenes, which lends itself to really showcasing how much pain he's in because the rest of the film, he doesn't act like that. So they have a great dichotomy of when he's a human, he really does emote subtly, charming, charismatic, but not outgoing. But when he's a, when he turns into the wolf, everything just boom pops. He just is like an outroar. And I think that's what's really great about showcasing this in a werewolf film because they really do capture 
his transformations, especially after the first one, he starts acting subtly different. They have like, he gets a little more like um, promiscuous with, with the, the nurse and stuff and starts like really getting onto her and stuff. It's like, yeah, he becomes a wolf in every sense of the way. Like, I yeah. think this film is just, it just gets me so happy. Like, it, I, I forget what, you know, when you like, you know, you love a film and you're like, yeah, it's so great. Everything about it is so fun. You think of all the technical aspects that ring out in your head. And you're like, oh yeah. But you don't remember exactly what makes it feel so special. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know I love it, but it's been a while. That's this film for me. Because every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, I know I love this film, but I can't remember exactly why I love it off the top of my head besides you know, the makeup's great. The special effects are great, but everybody knows that. Who's going to not know that Rick Baker did the makeup and animatronics for The Wolf? Everybody knows that. Everyone knows that's amazing. It's got a goddamn award for it from the Oscars. Yeah. But besides that, there's so much nice, subtle, like, hints about things that could happen to him. How you see how he's, he's like, his, like, brain is devolving and changing. Everything feels slow, and it doesn't feel like a horror movie. And that's the way I think it meant to be and why I like it. The f- you don't see any real action in the film besides, you know, the, the initial wolf attack until much later, much farther than halfway into the film. I, I, I always forget because the movie's only like an hour and 37 minutes. Yeah, it's a short movie. The whole last act, it's probably like 20 minutes. And that's the only real action in the film. Yeah, the, all of it's... All of it's very deliberately edited in a manner in which that it feels the the because because it's not like he doesn't change into a where because the first um, werewolf transformation is like midway point I think in the movie um, or a little bit past I think it's a little bit past honestly. yeah um, but he 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 changes into the werewolf and he has his first uh, he he kills people for the first time the way that they film the attacks they they shroud it deliberately um until the last one the last yeah they they don't want to yeah they want to basically build up to that reveal of of the wolf and by the way one of the most horrifying looking werewolves i've seen in a movie terrifying if i saw that thing in a dark alley i would shit my pants that thing is terrifying yeah like they 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 show also incredibly gory like the, the the kills are they're vicious but yeah like they they deliberately keep in shadows not only to i'm I'm sure there's a limitation to the makeup as as far as um movements concerned because they don't really they only show it a little bit at the end and they they only show parts of it just because i'm sure it's a bit awkward but it really works the way that landis shot it because they they maximize the um, animalistic quality of the werewolf more so than like in most werewolf movies where you see like a you know he's he's on two legs and um it's a bit more human or humanoid this is a lot more like a dog or a wolf um it's very it's very terrifying and i love it the best thing about shrouding is that you decide how vicious it looks until you actually see it more so every you will see it later on in the film so like okay that's what it looks like cool but you will always decide how it moves because you never see that on screen you never see it jump you never see it leap you never see it follow people the only time i think that does hurt the film a little bit is there's the time when he's following the guy in the train station and the way he follows him based on the distance from the camera to the actor running away you know it's close and then the next scene comes and the the guy runs way far and it's like there's a lot of distance out of nowhere it's like the way it's edited makes it seem like i really know there's nothing there and that's a problem I think maybe they should have cut some things a little bit or or made reshot the scene where 
he runs really fast or something. I don't know, but there's a time where like it does mess with suspension of disbelief and you know, he's not actually running from anything. I think that does bug me a little bit, but it's a really small hiccup. I think in the film. Yeah. And I, there's I, not many hiccups in my perspective. Like that's, that's one of the, the only small one ones. To me. I do think the makeup, not makeup, but the masks that the Nazi werewolf soldiers, they do look cheap. Sometimes. Oh, I, think, I, I think they look awesome. And I also think that they just the, look like latex masks at some points though. To me, from the perspective, like it, it's just, I, I can, I can in my mind equate that to it just being a dream um, and how like a lot of the th- things that you see in dreams seem unnatural and, and, and weird and things you can't explain. So I can, I can mentally put that away more so than the thing that you brought up before with the, with the, yeah, distance 100%. Of the camera. Yeah, um, I, think, I get I get that yeah. though. I understand what you're saying. I think that's definitely more of a nitpick. It's just when you see all the other stuff in the dream sequences, like my well, my favorite one of the of the dream sequences, it's like, oh yeah, the nurse is over him and he's in a, a, a hospital bed in the middle of like the forest, and he has that big oh, that flash so of the, the the face makeup and everything with the contacts, and it's like that looks fantastic. And then iconic compare, shot. It is iconic. Yeah. It's it's my favorite shot i'd say in the movie it's scary maybe jump um, <laughs> i'm not gonna lie and then you see that and you compare it to the the masks on the soldiers it's like okay it's kind of a that's kind of a bummer like i get it i it never bothered me until this viewing this viewing i was like oh it looks a little iffy you're, but still. you're also watching because i know when we when we watched it the first time together uh well my first time uh we watched it on a dvd yeah this time we're what we were watching it on the arrow um release which i believe is a 4k master um so everything is higher detail higher resolution so everything looks different yeah fantastic release oh my god if you if if anybody listening here has not picked up the old oh, it's, it's a little tough to get now but um the american werewolf in london get fucked losers yeah <laughs> if if you um you can i think you can get the standard like just the 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 normal case um you can't get the special edition anymore um yeah uh so yeah you can get that guys but what you can get you can't get this fun shit. The so booklet. like, I own this because I wasn't a fucking idiot. So I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember we were in Disney and that was announced. And I had to. I had to send that to you instantly. Oh yeah, uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, we were on. We were in a van you, on our did way. Did you see to the cards Epcot? inside? Because like yeah. I did. I didn't really look at these too much until when I pulled it out to watch. I was like, oh shit. The only thing about about the box that I found kind of funny was that the um the booklet. They use the art that they have, like uh, like with those Walmart exclusive, like glow in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Releases. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird exactly that that's what they chose. About. It's so weird that that's what they chose. If you guys have not picked up that release, please pick up that release. Arrow makes some of the greatest physical media releases ever, and it is stacked with special features. There's a, there's a, a making of document documentary called um, Beware of the Moon. It's like 90 minutes. And it, it just like there's so much. There's a wealth of, of special features. Definitely yeah. check that out. Imagine having special features on a fucking home release. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's like a yeah. companion companion piece to our last episode. I'm not always I'm not always like big on on Arrow. Like Arrow's art is usually pretty good. It's just that they give you the option to reverse the uh, the sleeve, and I never use theirs on the interior. Um, I I this case I reversed it. But um, back to back to talking about the reason why. Like I think I think that us watching this on the the newest release the arrow version i believe it's a 4k scan so it, it the upscale and detail makes everything like all the effects are gonna get judged a little bit harsher based off that because it's so sure. much clearer but that to me makes it even more amazing how good the werewolf transformation looks because even with that up resin detail the effects are incredible 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was fantastic. I think some of the scarring on his face looks a little bit more uh, fake now with that detail. But besides that, it's like, if the only things you could complain about from a movie that was made in 1980, 81 was just a face scar and masks on Nazi werewolves that show up in a minute. Like, I don't think that's much of a gripe to have. I agree. Also, can we talk about the year 1981 for for fucking horror movies? Because like, it may even look behind you. I was wrong last episode. The movie came out in 1981. Evil Dead came out in 1981. This came out in 1981. There's an enormous amount Didn't of Didn't the Howling come out the same year too? I think so. That or that or 82, I think. But um, like so, like we had there's just a boom of awesome horror movies. There's a huge slasher boom that had some uh, great ones. Didn't like Halloween two come out 81 too? Halloween two came out 81. The Burning came out 81. Friday the 13th Part two, I believe, came out in 81. The Prowler came out in 81. There's, there was a, a lot of them. There were so many awesome horror movies that come out in 81 so it's just that's just such a cool year that like yeah, all these howling, awesome movies come out howling scanners scanners yeah. yep so that that's just beyond. crazy 81 was just full of awesome shit for horror fans my bloody valentine oh how did i forget about that one that was awesome i love that movie oh and my favorite madman oh christ i don't understand yeah. sorry sorry 80s fans i don't i don't fucking understand why anybody enjoys that movie the song that's got to be I it. I purely believe it's the song. <laughs> what, what I, did, think um, the, I think what, the what artwork, fucking, too, um, is really good. What year did Sleepaway Camp come out? This is a huge tangent. I'm just curious if that was another 81. I don't think it's it, 81. It's not. I think it's like 85 or something. Sleepaway Camp came out in 1983. Oh, okay. That's not that bad. Yeah, I think it's weird how a lot of films, because they're so built around their decades, some things like early 90s and late 90s feel polarizingly different even it's like weird. yeah but i feel like it's so weird how the 80s like as soon as it hits 1980 i do associate things from the 80s with even that year oh even yeah. to 89 it's like one of my favorite albums for uh molly crew is obviously dr feelgood and that came out in 1989 and it's like that's super 80s to me but it's the last year yeah like the 80s every single year just encapsulates the decade i think that's pretty unique because most decades don't kind of have that. I think for the 80s, I think it's interesting to watch the progression, especially with films. Um, I mean, this ties, ties directly into this movie and how like graphic this movie could be um, with, with some of the kills, some of the makeup effects. I mean, Jack is is fucking, he's a mess for the entire movie after after the, the opening uh, act. Like he's just, he's just grotesque uh in all three different versions of him but like it's kind of funny watching from the beginning of the 80s to the end of the 80s how the mpa just eviscerated horror movies oh 100 percent. it's crazy that we went from stuff like this to the way that they edited the shit out of like friday 13th part seven um yeah i like ridiculous. part seven a lot too i, I do too don't like it but i do too them. but like it sucks that like you were talking about this with the guy at the comic store the other day just like yeah. how they eviscerated all the the kills out of that movie same thing with like part five even by by 85 it, it's so fucking it. funny because it's so polarizing now it's like you could do anything you want with like fucking killings in movies nowadays but there's no story behind a lot of horror films and it's just like look at all this bloodshed i'm like yeah fucking care man i just don't <laughs> care i find that amazing that like not that long after i mean it's like yeah it's like 20 years but like after like someone like part seven of, of friday 13th 
you get movies like Saw, and that's okay. I mean, it's actually Saw. Well, you not like that bad. the first Saw. I do lot. like the first yeah. Saw. I'm not, I'm not even saying that it disparages the film. And even even then, though, like Saw one is not that graphic. No. Um, in comparison to its later entries, but you just like watching that franchise evolve into this, just like just so much gore and blood and violence, and like we can have that now, but we couldn't have that in the '80s. Like I, I get that. I get that. Like um, you know, um, things were different back then, and and people had different perspectives. But it's just like it's amazing that like. We went from oh you can't do that to doing way worse than than those movies ever were gonna do. I think a lot Weird. of things kind of weird how they let a lot of things fly too in the seventies too. But oh like when gosh. the eighties hits, like as soon as it gets like to a halfway point, they start to really crack down. Well, it's like the stuff that you see in the eighties that became mainstream was kind of similar to a lot of the stuff people were watching in the sixties and seventies, uh, especially yeah. especially the 70s in grindhouse theaters. Yeah. Um it's kind of funny how that evolved into mainstream and then the MPA was like, nah. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna it's funny how it. this is rated R. And there's a lot of things that would usually just increase a rating heavily, like there's the violence. There's, gra- there's some graphics, but yeah, dude, and... fucking David Nolan's rocking cock in like five <laughs> frames. It's like he's, he's just running around a fuck, and, and he's he's fucking hiding in a bush, and there's a fucking kid with a balloon. That's my like, favorite scene. No, I don't, I don't so care. This is, funny. Like, that's my favorite scene in the movie because it's it's so funny. He goes, Hey, kid, hey, he's just warrior. walks over. What do you want? It's like I'm the I'm a famous balloon thief, and then he takes the balloons and runs away. And kid goes to his mom's like, "Mom, an American man just stole my balloons." A naked American man <laughs> just stole my fucking balloons. I, I'm just I'm sitting there watching. This I love that kid's delivery. If that kid's delivery wasn't so good, it wouldn't be that funny. But. I haven't seen that movie in years before watching it today, which is a sin. I wanted to watch it last year um, during October, and I just never got to. Also, funnily enough. <laughs> This movie does not play on my uh, Samsung 4K player for some reason. I had to watch on my PlayStation. I don't know why, Um, which is probably why I didn't watch it last year. It's probably because I got really mad. I I hadn't seen that this movie in so long that I forgot about that scene. I totally forgot about that. And watching that now, not as a teenager, I was just there like, oh, my God, that's I, I don't like saying this um a lot but i don't know if you could do that scene again today i think it is i think especially for comedies i just think it like it parallels too much with with pedophilia and i get that's the joke yeah um but it's just like ah i don't know i don't know how well that would be accepted because because in the 80s like now this is regarded as a classic so like some of the stuff is like we're we're not gonna talk about that yeah and i don't think there's a whole lot of that except for the stuff when he's like trying to get arrested where he's saying some fucking shit where it's like yeah maybe don't say a homophobic slur and scream it at the top of your lungs see that was i was watching that scene and i was like did he say that because i couldn't tell i I couldn't exactly definitely said said that oh boy yikes yeah uh, that's, I don't, that's like the only thing i'm like yeah i really I mean I, get, like that. I mean i guess that's the point like he's trying to get arrested so he's just doing the worst things he possibly can oh yeah but i get it it's still fucked you know i'll say this though if you really want to get arrested just punch the cop <laughs> you know i i don't think you need to True. call someone a homophobic slur you could be like hey i want to get arrested i should assault a police officer that will do it. I don't. Well, I, I don't think there's going to be any questions asked. But also, I'll say this though: he could have done that. But I think the point was is he was supposed to get a night in jail to cover himself up for the full moon, rather than yeah. be put in prison <laughs> for a while. I push him. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I, I. I. That. That's a little messed up. But I'll say like as much as I think that that scene with the kid is like ah, that's kind of yikes. That shit had me 
like just in stitches it's more so it's not even just that scene though it's it's the scene immediately after it when he's running with the balloons covering his junk and he grabs the lady's coat off the fucking bench in a wide shot that's when i'm watching i'm like oh this is definitely a john landis movie because it it feels like something out of animal house that that shit's really fucking funny um it just exemplifies this movie like it is a horror movie and it is scary like even in like the the not it's not the opening but um when they get mauled by the wolf on the moors that scene is fucking terrifying, especially because Landis is so smart. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with, um, with maybe it has nothing to do with Landis. It has more to do with limitations, but yeah. he never shows the wolf in that entire yeah. sequence. It's just the sound design. He only and, shows the wolf at the very end of mauling the person on the escalator. And it's, and it's in, yeah. Up until then, you don't see the, you only see quick flashes of the wolf. But even yeah. in that opening, in that first attack, you don't see the wolf, period. No, um, you only see like his head bite Jack. Yeah, that's it. Second, um, that's just really good filmmaking because it's it, it's more terrifying. It, the, when you when he's in there, he's saying it's there, it, it, it's right in front of us, and all stuff. It's like it is way more terrifying for us to have to imagine. Yeah, what 100%. that looks like, and I mean, like still, like it, it's also one of the only movies I've ever seen where I'm imagining what this thing looks like. And even with me imagining it, when they finally show it, it's still scary. Like yeah. that the, that wolf design, I cannot stress enough how awesome it looks and how terrifying it is. I, it's just I so, totally agree. so feral and and um, I mean, like it, it really leads into the animalistic qualities of of, where, of what werewolves can be more so than like Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. and stuff like that. Like, yeah, bringing up Lon Chaney Jr. and the Wolfman's why I love the film so much is because there's a lot of humor in it, and like the humor in this film is why I don't like humor in a lot of modern horror films is because the humor nowadays are very meta textual and it's fucking stupid. Like, yeah, dude, I know I'm watching a fucking horror movie. Oh, well, we know in a horror movie, this is going to happen. So don't walk out of the room. Ha ha ha. It's like, yeah, she walks out of the room. She fucking dies. Okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. Meta textual. Ha ha. You want to pat in the back? Cool. Yeah. I'll give you a fucking hand job in the corner. I don't care. Like, I hate that shit. It's so fucking stupid to me. The like, only movie that that works in is Scream for me. See, I don't even one. work in Scream sometimes. Sometimes it does, and I think it it's pretty decent. Like, Randy is a fucking idiot in the first Scream. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, he, he makes it seem like everything is super real in these horror films because he watches it all the time. He's a stupid fanboy. So when he does stuff like that, the metatextual stuff works because he's just too drawn into that that realm. Yeah, but people make fun of him for it in the movie, like like uh, you know, never say I'll be right back, blah blah blah. And then Matthew Lillard goes, "I'll be right back." And, like, and, 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 and it also that's works a for that good movie. Joke. It also works for that movie because he's one of the fucking killers. It, but like, like that's still uh, a perfect joke, though. Like that's kind of the thing, though. With Scream, though, is that for me at least, at least the first one specifically, and and the second one, they they make jokes. There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of meta stuff. They still try to scare the shit out of you, though, and they do, and, and they do set up really good suspense sequences to balance out that humor. Some movies don't do that, though. Yeah, like, I, I some, just some movies so, just lean into meta and they think that's what makes a good and here's slasher the thing. movie. You can lean into meta. This movie references the Wolfman. It talks about once lore twice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They yep. talk about it in the beginning at the at the the slaughtered lamb, and then he talks about it with Alex at her flat. It's yes. like they're acknowledging stuff like that. You know, David makes a joke when they're in the porn theater about like, oh, do I need a silver bullet? And it's like, come on, dude, get fucking real. This isn't a movie. Yeah, I like that shit. Like some of the meta humor, I mean, some of the humor isn't meta humor. Some of the humor is just funny. And then there's some meta stuff that's meta textual, but it isn't humor. I like things like that. You can reference the meta and be like, 
oh yeah, I've watched the Wolfman. I expect this with the werewolves. And then you can have humor. They don't have to be together. Sometimes yeah. that shit is stupid. If you have to make a movie, it's like, cool. I got a black guy in the movie. I'm going to make him have a metatextual joke about how he's going to be the first one to die. And then he fucking dies. That's not fucking funny. You're fucking stupid. No one cares. Yes, it's not 2002. No one wants to be like, oh, the good kill the black guy. Oh, but they made a joke about it. Wow, you made fun of a black man. That's sick. High five. <laughs> Woo! Like, no, no one fucking wants that. No, you're just racist. Yeah, it's like, that shit's so stupid. That shit's so dumb. Yeah, I agree. You can make some metatextual stuff or whatever, have some humor, mix it a little bit. But when you have meta humor be throughout the entirety of a film, why do you think Resurrection sucks so bad? Half the shit is metatextual and it's fucking dumb. No one yeah. wants that. You have the film saying like, yeah, we acknowledge horror films exist and so do you. We're cool, right? No, you're a fucking boomer. You're not cool. Like, shut up. And it's a trend chaser movie too. It's just like, oh man, what's, 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 uh, what's cool now? Oh, fucking reality television shows. Let's make a fucking Halloween movie with fucking reality television shows that are super. Oh, the joke is it's super scripted. Oh, like they all are jesus christ you guys are really fucking clever put a fucking bullet in my brain make it sober yeah. and finish the fucking job i yeah. hate that movie speaking of speaking of comedy in this movie that the porn theater scene holy it's shit super funny that's super dark humor too because it's super they're going dark. over like ways of how to kill himself the best I, ways to I do love it love though see i like it, it, the couple it's still the good character the shit too because like even jack is being like oh you gotta kill yourself and the guy's like oh Jack here's your good buddy. You left my fucking kids like fatherless. You left my wife a widow. I want you to fucking die. And and all the bums are saying, just "Ah, just fucking kill yourself. You aren't my friend. And then Jack just goes, hey, this happens to be a good buddy of mine. And it's super funny because he only has teeth. And he's like, "Eh, I got a good buddy of mine. (laughs) But he's still being a good friend. It's like, yeah, listen to Skelloboy over here. I I think it's really funny because they're introducing all the people he killed. They all just show up in the theater. And obviously, yeah, like like the businessman, he's like, yeah, you left my like. It's kind of funny. It goes it goes back and forth in tone because it's like, you you actually left my family, yeah, without a father and a husband. You piece of shit, kill yourself. Like it's it's like it's really See, bad. It's actually dramatic to a degree. And then they cut to the fucking couple. But the couple's the, my favorite. But the thing about that, it's like when I used to watch the film, I just think that guy's kind of just like being an asshole. And it's like, no, we kill you. But you think about it, no, not even just like. He killed him or whatever. It's like, yeah, he'd be an asshole if somebody kills you. But it's like, he's really not even being that ruthless. He even says like, you know, I'm not a friend of yours. He's still not even being just a dick being like, I hate you. You took this from me, blah, blah, blah. He's saying, you did this for me. You took this from me. You need to die so I can at least get some eternal sleep or whatever. Yeah. And he's being justified. He's just blunt. And I thought yeah. that's pretty good. Even like when the bums are just being disruptive, like, yeah, fucking hang yourself. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, let's get to the point. We need him to die. We're losing time here. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I just I, like, I love the couple, the way that they're, they're so jovial about it. They're like, yeah, I, just kill yourself. Put a gun like, in your mouth. I like the fact that they're sure happy don't miss. because I like to think because they're with each other. They're like, I mean, yeah, if we're, kind so of stuck, if we're stuck for a bit, like we're not so bad. They're fucked. Like they, they got it bad, but uh, yeah. And like the bums that are like hang you he's like okay you can hang yourself and then jack's like no no no, no you could fuck it up and it, you, you could suffocate it'd be, a, it'd be a painful death he's like even though he's telling his buddy to kill himself he's like oh i don't want it to hurt well, that's like, what i'm saying i love when he goes like yeah this is a good buddy of mine calm down it's like you know, and the bums are like he ain't no friend of mine yeah <laughs> oh my god that seems fucked but it's it that's kind of the thing this movie really balances it's like 
a lot of it some of it's like just funny humor like yeah. like the stuff with with um some of the, some of the interactions he has with alex or stuff with with him uh with jack before jack dies some of it's like legitimately just funny um hell even even right before they get mauled it's funny yeah. um again like this is one of those weird movies i feel like it just shouldn't work because of how like the tone can shift the tone should not work it just i feel like um the tone just shifts like crazy at times it just should not work it should have like just just whiplash for the audience but the way that landis balances it and the way that he he directs it it just it works somehow some way it's just one of those movies that just works on the benefit of just talent pure talent from from everybody involved it's a crazy movie it's an anomaly within its genre well, I think in general, like a lot of 80s horror really does have mixed tones in general, and it works so well because they aren't playing to one strength. They're playing to multiple, but they're keeping them having strengths in certain scenes, but making sure the other one still is there or in the background. Yeah. I, I like films that have multiple tones. I like films that can feel like you don't have to be fucking there just depressed the entire time or just horrified the entire time because I love horror movies because they're scary, but like that's not the only reason I like them. Most horror fans will say, yeah, I like being scared, but at the same time, like I like feeling like there's suspense, there's drama, the characters are intriguing, the designs are really wicked, and there's so much that brings me to it. Yeah. You get the whole thing about a horror film is you're getting a mixed bag. And I don't mean a mixed bag as in like good stuff and bad stuff, but like you have so many different things to choose from that can draw you into this movie. That's why even some people will say, I watched this piece of shit horror movie the other day called Demon Wind. And I still had fun with it because there's some wild fucking shit that you wouldn't get out of any other type of movie. That's what horror films are so great. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, just like you were saying, this decade, my my favorite decade for horror movies is probably the 70s. But I think that the 80s for a lot of people would be considered a golden age. I, I mean, like the, technically, if you want to actually go by the way that you actually deem ages, the golden age is the 30s and 40s. No, yeah. it'd be... It, yeah. It's pretty much just the 30s, but yeah. But um, I think that as far as just a, a resurrection for the genre, I mean, like, it's not like a genre, the genre ever went away, but just like 80s horror was just a different kind of a different ilk it's just it's amazing and you know there's been horror comedies before this is not it's not like this is some kind of trailblazer that created the subgenre i think it's Uh, a trailblazer for its type of horror comedy though yeah because a lot of horror films from that point on would take a lot of is dark ideas and not just the dark comedy but like the way characters interact or kind of goof it up a bit especially in stuff like fright night Oh, yeah, I don't think Fright Night would have its same kind of tonal balance that it would have without American Werewolf in London. That's a fucking good horror comedy. That movie's awesome. Another movie is like it balances like some creepy ass shit, great effects. Fright Night's another perfect example about meta textual humor where it's like they talk about the meta about stuff a lot and they will make jokes about it. But like it's not the entire fucking joke of the movie. Yeah. Like the joke. Who's the joke at the expense of? It's at the expense of the viewer for some films where it's like, oh yeah, you expect this and this. Ha ha ha. It's like, I don't want to be the joke of this entire movie, dude. Like, why am I being made fun of for liking this genre? <laughs> like, yeah, I this agree. is stupid. Like, if you want to make jokes reference about like, yeah, I know everything about it. It's like, yeah, that is funny. In Fright Night, the guy knows everything about horror films. It's like, yeah, I know that stuff too. And that's kind of cool. But in the end, 
he survives and he knows how to get his way out of things because he does know that meta. You feel rewarded because you're watching this film and you're like, yeah, I can get myself out of this because I know these situations as well. Or I would try to also do something like that. Fright Night is the perfect example of how meta can not harm a film, but help a film. I agree. And uh, like I said, there's so many things that get brought up in Fright Night that I think wouldn't have been possible to bring up in a lot of films, especially in the 80s, without this film. I don't think many films really reference the meta as much, especially directly linking films. Like, I know American Wolf of London quotes stuff from Lon Chaney's Wolfman a few times. You, you might have a few vampire movies where they talk about, like, oh, yeah, you know, stakes and all that garbage. But he's referencing a movie, point blank, and he's naming the movie. They do that in Fright Night as well. And I don't know many horror comedies that would do that if this movie didn't exist. Yeah, I agree. I also think, like, I don't, I don't know if this specifically. Um, I mean, it's just the decade, but this is one of the earlier examples of the 80s where, like, a soundtrack really makes them. It doesn't make the movie. It doesn't make... It enhances it. It really heavily. enhances it. Yeah. And, like, yeah, a lot of the songs are on the nose. Like, like it's like, oh, they're playing, oh, Bad Moon Rise, or uh, Bad Moon Rising. I or, um, see a bad moon rising. Like, when that song comes on, I'm happy. I love that song. But, like, that, like, they do, um, oh, they do Werewolf of London? Werewolf no. of London? No, no, they don't. They don't. Uh, oh, Moon uh, Moon oh. Dance is the one I'm thinking of. Moon Dance is the one I'm thinking of. Like, you Moon Dance. Moon. Blue Moon. But, like, Moon Dance is the one, because that's, that's the one that he, they do when they, when, uh, when Alex and, uh, Dave are getting acquainted yeah. um, with, with each other. It, it, a lot of it is on the nose, but it really works for the movie that they're in. Like, it, it, it's just, it's the perfect music for this. I think it fits very much the tone of that scene too perfectly, though. Yeah, it's, it's all about the, it's like, all about the I, sexual and like, tension and romance. Bad Moon Rising happens during a montage of him just being bored at the flat before the Before the, the moon scene. hits. So it's perfect. That's a perfect yeah. fit. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. The tone fits so well because it does have a sudden clash. Uh, when I was making the outro for uh, the podcast, uh, when Jason was going through some stuff and he, he, has a, he was talking about like trying to make like fucking 30 second to like minute long songs. I'm like, I need fuck it. We only need like a few seconds, man. Let's do it together. But he was he's doing this one part. I'm like, hey, this sounds great. And he's like, but you're, you're going too much. He's like, yeah, you know, but I like things to start out calm. And then out of nowhere, you have like a misplaced note because it's a huge sudden clash and they, that automatically scares the listener. I'm like, I agree. And that's a perfect example of horror films right now is what you're talking about. I still only need fucking 10 seconds, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly how it should be. A sudden clash will not only just get the, the, the viewer confused and automatically lower their defenses but it also makes you think, oh shit, if you could do that right now, like what else could happen? Yeah, I agree. It's, that's that's a really good transition too for um, the movie where it's in the middle of, of Bad Moon Rising and he just starts to have a really bad day. Um, yeah, it's also the first time, like this is when the movie becomes a horror film really yeah because the lucid dreams aren't lucid dreams anymore they're real they're real and well this also brings up something that you were talking to me about when you're watching yeah. the film is that like how real is it supposed to be and i'm i get where you're coming from a hundred percent because i think landis wanted this reaction for most I also, of it i also get I where think, you're coming from though. i think at the end i think at the end he would like to say yeah it's open-ended but it's like you've 
you've put so much to make it not open-ended but yeah give your perspective so the whole movie from uh once the 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 werewolf attack happens i'd say even as soon as they go in the slaughtered lamb because that's when they get the ideas well yeah because because they're because they're all the, the whole town i can't remember i know why i forgot the name of the town already um but up in northern england when they're walking through the moors they they come across this place the slaughtered lamb and this entire town is convinced that werewolves exist and that they stalk the moors so like you said they implant this idea within jack and david's head as they're about to go walk out from from the place and they get attacked you don't see the attacker for the most part in you you could make the argument that in their head they're hearing the growls and the howls because they're thinking to themselves well these people are saying that there's fucking werewolves around here um and and to stay off the stay off the, the road and all that stuff beware the moon blah, blah 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 blah, all that stuff so you can make the the assumption that you know possibly maybe a, a crazed man really did attack them but it's in their head now that there's an animal so they're they're under the impression that they're being stalked by a wolf and they're attacked and david's impression is that jack is murdered by a wolf and he is now going to be a werewolf so as the movie is going on, he's having these psychological breaks where he is talking to his dead friend later on in the film where he, because uh, he knows that, you know, obviously with the, the full moon, he is going to turn into a werewolf. The implication until the third act is that it could po- very possibly be that he is going into a psychotic state and murdering people as himself, not as a wolf. And I think that's a genius idea. And honestly, I do agree with you that in the third act, they kind of tip their hand a little too much. I wish they didn't tip their hand too much. I, I still think that you could look at it from the perspective that this is just what people are, are visualizing from these horrific acts that David could be, could be committing. It is a little bit tough, though, when you're seeing this wolf walking through the street. Again, you can still, a lot of the stuff that's happening, because they don't, like, they say it's a beast, but that also like a mad dog, but that also can be something that could be applied to someone that is just out of their mind attacking people. So you could make the argument that he is not actually a wolf and that he's just deranged. And I think that the only thing in the real finale that kind of reinforces that is just the way that Alex doesn't react in any way to seeing him as a werewolf, because the whole time she's just like, he's not a werewolf. He's, he, she's on the doctor's side that he's just like, he's confused and um, in a manic state because of his trauma and PTSD from the, from the attack. Um, she doesn't react in any way saying, Oh my God, wow. He really is a werewolf. Like her face doesn't give you that evidence. Nothing she says gives you that evidence. So you could from a certain perspective, see that maybe it really is that he's just deranged. Um, and they, they, they make a point to show that like he turns back into a human at the end. That's the most important thing though. when he's dead. That's the most important thing to help your argument before I counter it. The most important thing to help your argument is that not only does he turn into himself after he gets shot dead, but at the same time, when Jack and him get assaulted by a wolf, he sees the man before, you know, he goes fucking unconscious. And he never mentions that after he gets into the hospital, he always says, it's a wolf, it's a wolf, it's a wolf. He never once mentions that like, at the end, before he got knocked out, he saw the man. Yes. That is the only real thing that's like, it does benefit. But I'll yeah. say this much. The way the film plays out in the beginning, it wants you to believe it could be 
could be a, a psychotic. I think there is way too much stuff on the doctor's end of doing his own discovery that leads it to being like, why would it? Why would they hide these things? Why would the file go missing? Because these aren't things David knows. These are only things that the doctor and Alex knows. Why yes. would they be hiding this stuff? They never saw Jack's body or whatever, it being mangled or stuff. And okay, but he does go. They have the whole wolf suspicion. It doesn't change his perspective entirely, but it's like, why, why are there things that aren't going well? And especially in the beginning, when they go in the slaughtered lamb, David isn't the one who really believes in the wolf. It's Jack. Jack talks about what's with the pedogram, what's with that. David always says, it's who fucking cares. Like, why do you even bother? If Jack was the survivor, I would definitely win more credence because it's like he already had that suspension suspicion in there. He's talking about the wolf man from the get-go. Yeah. And the last act happens. He breaks out of a fucking steel door that they bring down from the porn theater, and there's two guards holding it. Yeah. I know a man can have severe fucking strength or whatever when they're psychotic that's not possible like that's not yeah. and then when alex is talking to him there's a whole armed squadron if it was a madman in the corner i don't think they'd have that many heavily armed people positioned to gun it down but a rabid dog i believe they would yeah. those are the only thing that i think really outweigh the credence of it being open-ended because they position so many things there's a scene yeah. where he walks into the middle of the, the trolley and they they turn the whole car crash happens I can't believe a man would do that and they would turn yeah. the trolley, maybe even all, more so than a dog. But still, all of that, I believe. But 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 still, a lot of the other things that lead to it, I just feel it's too heavily implied that it has to be. Also, the way that they describe how people die when they're in the taxi about like brutal murders that are like with like claw marks and everything. It's like that's the first time they notice that they ever mention anything about like like the way the murders are done. Because even well, when he was murdered, it wasn't mentioned. It was just like, oh, he got attacked. Well, pretty much the way that the way that the taxi driver is kind of implies that is that the 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 savagery of the attack can only be done by an animal. Yeah, but again, like that still plays into the to the idea that like the, the the pure savagery of the attack is what makes people think it's a monster. Now, I can't argue about about the the steel door. That's that's I, that's to me is more so like I, I feel like there has to be a suspension of disbelief on Landis's part. Um, yeah. where if, if this is his perspective, I have no idea if it's his perspective or not. If that's his perspective, he just, that, that was an embellishment for the film. And it is ridiculous. I can't argue against that. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, the stuff with the slaughtered lamb with the pentagram and stuff and how David's just like, he's like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Seeing is believing from his perspective and especially on the moors, the way you get spooked, you see things when you're afraid that you, that may not actually be there. And that made him a believer at that point in a traumatic incident like that could bring that about on someone i th i believe that part i can argue that point the steel door is the problem i can even get behind excessive force with the the um the, the squadron of people with the, with the rifles i can kind of get, get behind that but the the steel door is my big thing him busting through a steel door that's I, I don't know how you get around that i would definitely believe that landis wants you to believe that it is open-ended though i just think there's too many things in my head that the film says you can't do it. I would even believe including Jack in there. It's Jack's way of trying to say the traumas making him believe it is a werewolf. While at the same time, if Jack wasn't there, he would fully believe he wasn't. Yeah. I think there's things that Landis implements to try to say, look, it is open-ended. It's not cut and dry that he is a werewolf. But I think a lot of things do contradict that point. To me, it's like, I can't really look at that perspective with how a lot of things follow through. 
Yeah, I think, I, I, can't I think if they left, I think if they just left that steel that steel door part out of it, if they made the door out of something something not as strong, or if they didn't have it at all, they just had a normal door. I think you could have made a stronger argument. And I mean, I still believe that it's 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 to I, a even do though. Like him being with the wolves isn't a problem. I think the wolves reacting very nonchalantly to him lends way too much credence about him being a werewolf. Maybe, but I, I like you'll also see people being with wolves and the wolves not attacking them like i i can you can make arguments for that like that the the big the big thing that you brought up that i think is it's just inarguable is the door it's just it's impossible that he busted through that door and to me i feel like that's more so just like i think i feel like landis wanted to misdirect even the arm though like when uh one of the fucking guys spots the arm ripped off like that's the only person you see besides david that sees the carnage, really. It doesn't yeah. even matter because the guy dies in the end. But no, no, he doesn't. He it, doesn't die in the end. The that guy doesn't that, die. The only thing is that sucks. Like, I'd love to be able to make the argument that he could have that he could have done something to that. But the problem is, is that the only weapon that they demonstrate that he has is a pocket knife, and he's not gonna fucking hand off of that. Yeah. So you, that, you that, can't again, that's tough. That's for the all, thing. For like, the, for I think he deaths, wants I, I think he wants it to be more open-ended than I I can personally believe. But he indulges in too much of the too much violent too much stuff yeah. that it's just like it's impossible to make that argument yeah i mean like like people do some crazy things when they're under certain mental conditions that you you don't think are possible yeah you gave me a smelling salt at 325 on bench yeah i mean like i mean you're you're but i mean like that actually kind of makes my point like when you're when you're fucking insane like at 350 you do you do, <laughs> you, you do so you do some pretty insane things i think that he just took it a little too far I do think that though that he's trying to put it in a perspective where you could look he, at it either way. He definitely is trying. Um, There's just, just too much evidence in the film that contradicts to my point of view. So yeah, some of it leans too far into the genre that he's trying to to to. I don't know about lampoon, but he's he's trying to embellish on certain things that are. It's just it's too ridiculous to lean into that concept. I just think that's a really fascinating idea. Um, oh, for sure. I, I love the idea. Yeah. It's just. I mean, it's he not the realizes first. Realizes certain aspects that, of it, but sometimes it does feel like a you're kind of making it tough to believe that. I, I also think Landis to himself would probably even say like, "Ah, it is open ended," but in his heart, he'd be like, "Nah, dude, it's a fucking werewolf." Like, I just love, yeah. I love horror. Like, it, it just it seems like he he really is trying to leave it in a perspective that if you want to look at it that way, you could. Yes. But the problem is, is that when you do look at it that way, there's a little bit, there's too many questions. There's a lot of hurdles you got to jump. Yeah. But I, I think that he definitely wanted it to be open ended. But I, de- I do think that from a perspective, he really does think that, yeah, it, it is a werewolf. But if you want to look at it, like, I, you know, I would even say the biggest thing I picture is like a, a meta thing is the one person who's so quick to deny he's not a werewolf, he can't be a werewolf. That's stupid is the inspector. And him having David break through the steel door and bite his fucking head off it's like that is linda saying yeah it's a fucking werewolf bro i i totally i totally forgot about the whole beheading part because yeah. it's like he doesn't have a weapon capable of that it's not like they, they yeah. demonstrate he has like an axe or a fucking machete yeah. or something like that's another thing it's just like the the level of brutality is too ridiculous like if he just got his throat cut yeah. that's fine i can explain that away if like if he had some kind of a stronger weapon, I can get behind it. The problem is, is that he's literally fucking beheaded. Yeah. So it, it's a little tough. I, I agree with you that I do think that it just it winds up being that he is just a werewolf. Yeah. But it, it's just it kind of says I kind of wish that you there was more 
more of a way you could suspend some of those things to make it yeah, into I like, can get it's that. a psychological issue. But at the same time, it's like it's very clear, especially now that we're talking about like he's a fucking werewolf. Yeah, when he you really said that, is. When you said that to me yesterday, it's like, yeah, you think maybe it's supposed to be open? And I was like, well, I texted oh, you that. Yeah, I texted you that. You about it. Like, I, I texted you that while before we went into the finale. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I was texting you that like I think I only had like twenty minutes left in the movie. So he, I think he was sitting in the porn theater at that point, um, talking to Jack. I'm like, oh, do you think this is going to be taken literally? Because like I, I feel like like he's he's trying to play this this balance. I totally forgot about the whole like he gets his fucking head ripped off and yeah, fucking the door breaking open and shit. Yeah, I I just think that's a fascinating. I, I mean, it's obviously something he's trying to, to to do for the first two acts of the movie. Yeah, the third act he definitely full tilt says no, he's not crazy. He's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. It's just weird to me that like at the end it's not a big deal or anything. I'm not going to make it like a, you know, just drag the score down for or anything. I still gave it five stars, but like, it's just weird. You think that Alex would have some kind of a reaction and be like, wow, he really wasn't kidding. He is a werewolf or whatever. Um, but she doesn't. And maybe, maybe you can chalk it up to, she, she just loves him too much and she's just, she doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really what it is. Also that that's a perfect segue into something that like, I, I, I think I, I messaged you about this. I probably didn't. Um, but I did mention it when I, when I logged in on Letterboxd. One of the best love stories in like modern horror because it's a very simple love story, but it's one that's very effective. Like she cares yeah. for him all the t- all through the time that he's in the hospital. They 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 sow the seeds for them being in a relationship the whole time, and and it just it kicks off throughout the finale. She's she wants to protect him in the finale before he even turns into a werewolf. She's trying to get him to the hospital to 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 keep him locked up and keep him saved and all that stuff. And you know the finale. The first, she, she runs in front of a bunch of rifles to try to talk him down. And the problem is, is that he's just there's no David left in that scene. He's just a werewolf. He's just a monster at that point. And it kind of sucks. Like it's a very tragic ending. Yeah. Um, I used and, to hate that about the film too because it's it's so it's not open ended at all. There's no way you could see him being alive or getting any like he's restitution. Toast. He's just dead. But as time goes on, it's just like, I think that's why I love it more and more is that it, it is a finale and you can't really have an end to this world without him dying. And that, that's just the disappointing factor of the movie. Like, it especially, when, way. especially when you look at it, when you're looking at it as he is definitely a wolf, um, he's not a human being at that point. And he really is keeping these people from, maybe he's not, maybe, maybe all these people aren't even there. That might be a complete psychological aspect of the movie. The whole Jack not being there and, and all of his people may not be there. And and he's, you know, the whole point, like at that point in the movie, he is suicidal. He wants to die because he doesn't want to kill anybody anymore. And he doesn't want these people stuck on this plane of existence. And at the end, it it is a tragic ending. Don't get me wrong. It's tragic ending more so for Alex. Um, but he got what he wanted. He, he's no yeah. longer a threat to people and everyone else can rest easy. I would agree if maybe you heard the names of the people in the taxi, but he doesn't. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he does, he does, he does give them names. That's right. Yep, you're right. Definitely right. But, but here's one thing I say about it's, that. It's, it's a like, bittersweet ending because those people oh, are now released from the from the earth. He, it sucks that he has Jack to is die. released too, especially which you, yeah. you start to grow more and more fond of him and how he does care for his friend. Yeah, it's like he dies. Yeah, like David dies, which is sad because he's a great character, and it, you feel bad for him because it's like he didn't ask for this. Yeah, but. At the same time, it's like at that point, like he knows he's not a threat anymore. Or I don't know if he knows. He's I not think that's anymore, what's great about anymore. a lot of the classic horror ideas, though, is that these characters aren't characters that just 
do bad stuff because it's fun. Like I love the idea of vampires because it can create a culture of so much like symbolism or like um undertones that people don't want to talk about a lot of times, especially with like especially in the time periods like homophobia, transphobia, things like that. It's like that's why the vampire category is always great for things like that because yeah. it hits on so many different tropes. But the characters themselves can almost become stereotypes, but still fun and charismatic, which is nice. But why do you think people love the first Wolfman and the Invisible Man? It's because these are characters that commit crimes and horrible, horrible things, but that the original person would never want to do that. Because even it's a tragedy. In, like Lon Chaney Jr., he says so much, like, I, I don't want it. I just want, I want it to be over with. I want it to end. You know, he tries his best. And in the Invisible Man, you don't see the man before, but they talk a lot about how he's a great person. He, he means a lot. He's just a scientist and he wants to do good work. But ever since he took the serum, he's gone insane. This is not his mental state on the usual. The serum changed the man. Yeah. So when he does die, you almost feel you wish it could have worked out, but it has to end this way. Yeah, Those, there's, there's no other way it works out or else people are going to die. Even Frankenstein, especially like he kills the little girl and she drowns, but he didn't mean to do that. All the bad things he does is because he doesn't understand the weight of the actions. He doesn't yeah, he try doesn't to commit doing. these atrocities. And that's why it's so bittersweet when you have monsters like that that do end up being just so sympathetic in a lot of ways. And that's why those tropes are so good. That's why it's good when you have fans like John Landis who understands those tropes. And he's like, well, this is why, this is why it works. You can tell these tales in a modern setting. So I'm going to try to do it. You know, nowadays you have people trying to look at like, what's the next thing you can do in a horror film? What's the new real reality? Because that's what we're looking at is what's what's nowadays going to terrify viewers, which makes sense. But a lot of these tales are simple and they still work where it comes down to you have somebody doing something that they don't want to do or somebody that they just don't understand what they're doing. And these decisions have terrible, terrible consequences and they have to pay for it. And And that's that's how you really draw sympathy. That's kind of the thing, like one of my one of my favorite things to say about horror is people underestimate because when, when people think of horror movies, they think of slasher movies. A lot of people think of slasher movies. Yes. And I know that yes. a lot of people think about slasher movies. A lot of people think about like these like cheap little dumb horror movies from like the early 2000s. Slashers stay are, alive, in my perspective, the gateway drug of horror. I love slashers to death. I love them. Yes. Um, they are definitely some of the, the horror movies that have some of the worst offenses as far as like just not giving a shit um also just being like you want to talk about things being dated they're the easiest to notify like oh yeah of course you know but my thing with with horror it's also one of my things with action movies and i think you have you and i've talked about this before is people underestimate the importance of characters in in horror movies because like yeah sure people can can set up with with direction and music and sound design scares you can do that um but if you really want to make things scary and you want people to be invested in the horror of the movie you need to have characters that people at least like but the thing about this movie that takes it a step further is they do characterize these people well you know they don't they don't spend you know not everybody gets a a huge character arc or anything but david is a well-characterized person from the very beginning of the movie because he is a likable person he's just having fun backpacking through europe with his friend um, he's likable. He's charismatic, like you said. After his friend dies, they really do like. Yeah, it's subtle. They don't. They don't do huge, you know, grandstanding dramatic sequences. But 
you know, him seeing his dead friend, like that's a traumatic experience and his falling in love with, with Alex and, and their relationship again, grounds him with, with, with things to lose and like the calls back to his family. Now they're like they, they, they reinforce that he has loved ones. Like they, they do take time to set up David as a character that you can root for and try to get behind. That's why that ending is so tragic is because he is a genuinely good person that just something terrible happened to. And the same thing with Alex, like you set up that Alex really loves this guy and cares about him. And she watches him die right in front of her, which is an incredibly traumatic experience for her too. So, you know, that after this movie, after credits roll in this movie, she's fucked up now too. The movies genius for one simple thing and it keeps the cast small yeah you don't have a lot of characters so whenever a character is on screen they utilize their screen time and they become important it matters. even even joke characters like i mean I don't, they don't use utilize every character like there's the inspector's sergeant who literally is just fucking laurel and hardy where it's, like he can't and, even tie his tie right yeah and it's like that's fine i love that stuff because it's funny i like good humor great but the doctor is prominent through the entire film. Yes. Alex is prominent. David is prominent. Jack is prominent. The people at the slaughtered lamb are prominent. Like these, these are the only real cast members in the film. Everyone else pretty much is just like an extra. Even some of the people that are at the hospital, they have like a few scenes, but they're not really characters. They're just there. But yeah. the cast that do have like a lot of scenes together or whatever, they get to interact. They utilize, they make them feel important and it matters. The, you, you mentioned character, which is super important. Like one of my biggest gripes I have is when people talk about the Friday franchise, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of stupid fucking teenagers that die and you kind of wish it happened. It's like, I don't know what Friday you're watching. Maybe just the first one, but maybe just, maybe just nine. Like a lot of the time, I don't want them to die. Like you kind of like some of them because you have to realize they're teenagers or college students and they're trying to have fun. There is no point you wouldn't be trying to have fun if you're that age and you're a camp counselor and they're decently good people. Having sex doesn't make you the antichrist. Like, yeah, you shouldn't want them to die. So when some of them do die, you're like, that kind of sucks. Like, I kind of feel bad for them. Yeah. And that's why you grow to like some of these characters. And that's why when a horror film does do the things where you don't like the characters and they do die, you do say, yeah, whatever, fuck them, they're dead. Kind of cool though, right? You know, it's all it's all good. And you yeah. remember that because it's a stupid trope that you see happen over and over again that people don't understand. If you don't care about the characters and they die, you don't care. And you associate that with shitty horror. And the more and more it happens, the more and more shitty horror you get. And the more shitty horror there is, the more people say as just a general consensus, oh, horror films are shit because you get the same dog shit over and over again. Is it any different from having dramatic movies where the actors can't nail a dramatic scene? No. Or they're is written it, incompetently yes. or in is an action any, film. I was going to say, is it any different from an action film where there isn't a character, they're just a badass and that you don't care about the decisions they're making. It's just there to look cool. Fuck no. It's the same exact thing. But with horror, the shitty tropes and the things that people look down upon are just so embedded into people saying that's just the genre. Why yeah. is that just the genre? It's not just the genre. Now, when people have good horror films come out, like with Jordan Peele and the, the next wave of films, people look at it like, oh, it's a next step of horror. It's a next level. No, it's fucking not. It's just horror. It's just not dog shit. You've don't get me ruined started. by the late 90s and early 2000s where everything was dog shit for a while. Don't, don't get me started on the, on the topic of fucking elevated horror. 
because that is the dumbest fucking phrase I've ever heard in my entire life. You don't, it's horror is the only genre in existence where a good quality movie is referred to as elevated. You don't hear elevated dramas. You don't hear elevated action films or elevated sci-fi movies. They're just, Hey, look, it's a good sci-fi movie or it's a good action movie. It's, it's because people don't want to admit that they like horror. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's like, oh, oh, you like horror? Oh, you must really like fucking Madman or something. Like something really stupid. Dude, if um, somebody said that to me, I'd fucking knock them out. Like if <laughs> someone said you like horror, you must like Madman. Like, oh, that's cool. You got a fucked up face. You must like hitting the pavement. Like, oh my no god, one, I, I would never fucking like that at I, all. I I hate that term, elevated horror, because it really it really just dismisses the genre to me. And it's a genre that made cinema. Like yeah, it's one of the one of the, the oldest genres. Like it's to me one of the first cipher is the sound period of cinema versus pre-sound. Yeah, and but even stuff, even in silent though. Like, yeah, but I'm saying silent horror to like the sound era, like those films that go from before and after synonify what cinema has become. And yeah. a lot of them staple it. It's silent horror. You can still there are not many films you can go back and watch that are silent films and still have a good time, except silent horror. I don't fucking care what you say. Silent horror and some si- and silent comedy. Yeah. Oh, silent like, comedy. I wish more comedies were silent because some people say some stupid shit in comedies. True. But um, like like just like looking at like one of the first movies ever made is is Edison's Frankenstein. Like, yeah, this is not new, and it, it's 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 cinema's oldest genre, and that just gets dumped on now and that's stupid and, and, and co- creating a a term like elevated horror whether it's intention well-intentioned or not is just making the genre look worse it is insulting the genre we'll just say um for horror films during the 30s we'll just call that elevated cinema because that's apparently. what was fucking selling because apparently it's the only thing that's good at that time period so it's, it's elevated cinema yeah, it, it, I, I hate that term. I hate I hate that that A twenty four and and Jordan Peele have like I love A twenty four movies. I love Jordan Peele. I hate the fact that their movies has created this little tiny stupid fucking term that is just like it, it's just critics that don't want to admit that they like the horror movies, so they have to make a reason to like it. I, I hate that shit. It's really annoying and it's insulting to the genre and its fans. It's stupid. That shit. I, I I have a huge pet peeve about that. When I, I saw articles coming out about it, it's be like, yeah, why ele- elevated horrors is so popular right now? It's like, fuck off. A good yeah. a good horror movie is a good fucking horror movie. It's a good movie. Just fuck off. Yeah, people don't understand that horror takes the elements of a lot of different genres that are prominent and utilize all of it. Like now, like I remember even like in the nineties and two thousands, people would try to equate a lot of horror films that they thought were really good as being thrillers even though structurally they're not like thrillers yeah ever since silence of the lambs really defined what thrillers could be people were like oh well maybe all good horror films are thrillers no they're not they're not follow it's not how it follows the characters no silence of the lambs doesn't follow the killer (laughs) it it follows an investigation team trying to figure out what the killer's doing same thing with seven seven like these are thrillers because of how they're structured in the movie. It's not because it's a good fucking movie. It's a thriller. It's like, well, there's suspense in it. Holy fuck. There's suspense in a movie. You get suspense in a movie. Yeah. Holy I mean, like, shit, dude, I, I've heard plenty of valid arguments for why those type those, especially those two movies can be classified as horror movies. I personally yeah. don't view them as. Yeah. Horror movies. I, I that doesn't agree. make them lesser movies. 
Like, no. they're great movies. They're incredible movies, actually. And I, I would never say, I'm, I'm not saying that they are horror films, but no, I, no. I think those films came out, put more of a stigma on, well, Especially these, are so, Lambs. these are so good, and I don't consider it a horror since the whole thriller genre. Maybe a lot of these, maybe a lot of movies that are so good are actually just thrillers. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people. Not, ar- I've man. seen a lot of people argue that um, Halloween's a thriller, and that um, Psycho's a thriller. Psycho, I can see a bit more than than um, than Halloween, but even then, though, I, I still think that you're out of your mind if you call that a thriller. I would. I think you'd stretch it with Psycho. I can understand where you're coming from, but Psycho is just. I think a lot of the structure just just come down to how a horror film would be structured except it's the for granddaddy maybe, of slasher except films. for maybe the very end that's the the only difference i would say yeah but but it's like you don't have monologues about what happens in a story at some horror films anyways so it doesn't really break it either yeah that's just the era the whole character thing really always has bugged me because it's like if you're in any sort of fandom you know first of all grow up but if you're in sort of like any type of fandom or you're in any sort of like medium that you really love movies tvs comic art in general just any sort of thing that latches on to you any sense of pop culture when you're talking about characters you don't just love them for their designs designs only go so far designs will get you to a certain perspective because you're like oh i I like the way he looks and you could want to like them more because it looks so good but unless you really can feel like you can sink your teeth into that character because of how they feel, how they relate, and just in general, I get them. Or this is me in some sort of way. You really won't latch onto them that much. That happens for every sort of medium. You have to feel like I love this character for who they are, not how they look or anything else or how badass they are. That well, yeah, can only get you it, so far. If you go based off of like character design, especially that's not a character. Like a design is a design it's an idea exactly so you need like with any genre literally any genre you need to have characters or else you don't care why are you watching the movie like it it doesn't matter like like again like the two genres for me that it matters most for is horror and action because they 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 live on the way that you connect to what's going on on screen and that's what generates either the suspense the thrills or the horror I mean, it's, it's literally any, especially like dramas, like you, obviously, why would you care about what's going on on screen if you don't care about the characters? But like for just movies in general, I should just say, why, like characters are incredibly important. And a lot of people just don't view, when, when, when there's an interesting, a semi-interesting character in a horror movie, people treat it like it's a fucking revelation. And it's like, there's plenty of horror movies with great characters in it, going all the way back to the 30s, going back to even, even silent era. Like you, you can find great, cool character, like good characters that you care about. It's just that, like, with for some reason within the genre, people just forget about that. And that's why I think I love this film so much, is because it showcases all the things that I want out of horror films. It has great designs with fantastic makeup, effects, good subtlety, good humor. But most importantly, I really feel latched onto the characters, and I want everyone to get out of there happy. I want everyone to get out of there okay. And the fact it doesn't is what breaks my heart. And that's why I think this is a fantastic film. And I would really recommend everybody watch it. Not just because of how it makes me feel emotionally, but because you know that when you're getting into there, you're going to have some fun times. You're going to have some hard times. But at the end of the film, you're going to feel like you had a, a memorable time. And I want I everyone to have that opportunity. I agree. It's, it's a movie that, I mean, it, it, is, it is a classic in the truest sense especially of the era it exemplifies a lot of the best parts about the 80s from just like the 80s were a special effects era of horror and 
Rick Baker is one of the kings of, of special effects. The transformation scene is possibly the greatest in any werewolf movie that I've seen, at least. It is just, it is perfect. The Like you said, like the characters, the music, uh, both score and soundtrack, the direction is on point. It's just, it's everything about this movie fires on all cylinders. And yeah, there's a couple of nitpicks you can make about it. You can nitpick any movie. But at the end of the day, this movie is just a blast from start to finish. And it has surprised, it's surprising, like watching, rewatching this movie. Like I just was sitting there consistently saying, wow, you know, like I knew I loved this movie. This is one of my favorite horror movies. And I have to thank you for that. Cause I would, I probably would not have watched it for a long time without you sitting me down and making me watch it. Um, it was my pleasure though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a I wish I could get more people to watch this film, especially because I always think it's a standout surprise hit. Yeah, it's one of those movies. It's like, oh, cool, it's a war, oh, it's a werewolf movie. And it's just like, no, there's there's a lot to it, and and there's a lot of really interesting filmmaking te- techniques that they used, and it's it's just it's such a great, it's a, it's a gateway to horror. I mean, like you can watch this movie easily. Like this is not a tough. Like like if if people don't watch horror movies, this is an easy movie to watch. Yeah, it's got it's got everything you want. It's not. I, it's I think scary, it's, way, it's, not, it's way easier than our first pick. I think Evil Dead is a a bit tougher, tougher to, movie to watch. It's definitely to a tougher get movie through. to get into. Because um, e- even this movie, like Evil Dead. I don't think it's much of a unisex film. I think it is more of a male perspective type film. I think it lends yeah. itself more to a male audience, but I think American Werewolf is more balanced. It's more balanced because it, you do also feel bad a, for both the main characters. It's also it's also a movie that that definitely it benefits. It's easier to get into just because it is a a bit more of a more professionally made movie. Mm-hmm. No slight to Evil Dead, obviously, because um, I love that movie to death, but. It is definitely a higher profile film. It's made by Universal, um, which is why they get to talk about Universal horror movies as much as they want. Yeah. But like it has more money behind it, clearly. The makeup effects are much better than than something like Evil Dead. But like again, like these are two very different kinds of films. Very. They only came out a year apart. It's amazing. No, no, no. no, 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 no. I keep thinking 1980 because the movie is made in like 79. Um, but yeah. Like they, they they came out same year. That's that's even more amazing. But like the disparagement between budgets, like it's still amazing what Evil Dead accomplished on its budget. I love them both in very different ways. I just yeah, they attack the genre differently. I think as a general audience, this is an easier film to get into, and yeah. I, I think that's one of the huge benefits of saying check this one out. I know a lot of people that aren't big on horror, but I think if they watch this, it could be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll take a few other chances. Yeah, I mean, because because it, it really does it introduces you to the what the what the genre really can be. Great character work, perfect, Fant- just amazing filmmaking. Um, fantastic designs, fantastic inflammation of the designs. It it, it mixes horror com- horror and comedy and drama perfectly to a, to a degree. Especially with drama drama is not front and center, but there's a lot of there's a, there's a good couple scenes that are just really really impactful. they stand out. Like you mentioned yeah. the one about the phone booth. That's my that's one of my favorite scenes because of. It is subtle. It does feel real. And like, I know if I was going to talk to my brother and say, I love him, I'm not going to be like giving a heartfelt speech about like, you know, I'll never forget this day to get I'd be like, Hey man, I want to let you know, fucking love, love you, you dude. He'd be Don't like, fight with your brother. Yeah. And he'll be like, shut up. And I'd be like, all right, great. But like, that's how it would be. <laughs> like, that's how it's very real with the conversation. It doesn't feel like a force. This is my final speech. Goodbye. Yeah. And like, I don't like, I don't like using the whole, like, uh, you know, it's not just a great horror movie. It's a great film kind of thing. But when you're when you're introducing someone to the genre, that really is an important thing to say, just based yeah. off like, even if you don't personally believe like, 
separating distinction between genre and movie because it really doesn't matter a good movie is a good movie yeah but like when you're pitching this to someone who's never seen horror before you just say this isn't just like a really scary like good horror movie like this is a really great movie and it's something that you Mm -hmm. really should experience you know like there's a bunch of those that you can point to in the genre but like this is one that's just so easy to watch for a first timer i'm sure um you know like when i watched this i was i was already a horror fan it's not like it, it was my gateway or anything but it's something I can easily see showing to people and them just having a really good time with it. All right. Hot shot. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, this is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Um, my opinion. Uh, it has everything. It has great effects, great characters, great music, awesome performances. It's terrifying. It's funny. It's, it's everything that a great film should be. It's a, it's a masterpiece in my opinion, even with the nitpicks that we have. Give me a score on the dimometer. <laughs> the demo meter oh okay. my god i gotta give it like a platinum dimodome a platinum dimodome yeah that's like the highest order on the dimma scale i don't have that much dimma dollars on me <laughs> <laughs> i give it five dimma schmeckles <laughs> now i i love this movie it's one of my favorite films to watch during halloween time i think we always talk about when halloween comes around we have like three or four films we want to watch at least in october this yep. is one of my three. I always watch consistently. Whenever me and uh, Asher are going down to Salem, we always try to make sure to put this one on on the way there at the hotel or something because I always want to feel like this keeps my connection to this time of the year and always makes me remember why I love it so much. And yeah. I, I don't have much more I can really say besides I love the movie. Check it out. You know, yeah. five stars. But it's kind of amazing. Really, we, really we talk just... about this every year. We talk about this movie every year. Yeah, because I have it's like I have so much to say because I've said it all before. I'll say it all again, but I have I have so much to gush about because it makes me have just this big heart pounding reaction about man, the way this looks is so visceral. The way I feel when when she gives her final monologue is just so heartbreaking. The way it's shot, you there's not many films that make London look this good during nighttime. Like everything about this film just strikes you. And I the shots of northern Northern England, a hundred percent. They're they're so yeah. fucking eerie. Like it, it's it's perfect. It really it makes, does feel like a Universal Monsters movie at times. Yeah, it, it really makes does. you I mean, want it makes movie. you want to go to an area that is a barren wasteland that is that they're filming on pretty much. There's yeah. nothing really there, and you're like, I should check it out. Like, not many films can do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I love it. <laughs> That's it. Like, I just I love the movie. I don't have anything else to say besides. Please check it out. Please make your own opinion. Let me know if you thought it was just as good as we said. You had more problems that we didn't notice because I'd love to see more things that people gripe about this film because with films I love, it's really easy to find people say, oh, this this shit is sick. It's so cool. But it's even cool to be like, well, I didn't like this or this is kind of an issue. And it's like, I never thought about that. I wonder why I didn't pick up on that. Cool. How I always... Hell, I'd love to see like um, I mean, like one of the one of the most fun things that we talked about in this podcast was the the whole is it in his head thing, and I really would like to hear other people's perspectives on that because that was something like I never even thought about when we first watched it. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. I was like, oh, he's a werewolf the whole time. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's a werewolf. But this time, like, I really picked up on the, the little, uh, like, the, the the breadcrumbs he was trying to lay to misdirect. I would love to see what other people's opinions are on it. Not even like I'll agree with you if you think that it really is in his head or anything i just want or to really know what isn't think. yeah yeah i just want to know what people think it's just an interesting idea so check out the film tell us what you think watch another episode keep keep staying tuned and thank you so much for watching and we'll be back next week
Stay right. spooky, y'all. <laughs>